0: Welcome to the Intentional Family Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Schmitz, joined by my co-host, Mike Schmitz. Hi, Mike.
1: Hello. How are you doing? Good. Good. <laughs> How are you?
0: I'm good. I'm excited to record our second episode and talk about all y'all finding yourselves at home with your kids and trying to homeschool. We're in this unprecedented time. Of COVID 19, where most families have suddenly found themselves homeschooling. Now, you could be like me when I first started homeschooling our oldest, who was four or five at the time, and I felt the weight of the world on my shoulders with the responsibility of educating him. What if I mess it up? Is something gonna happen to him if I don't do it right? I felt so burdened and it was all put on myself. It was totally unnecessary.
1: What if I stunt his growth?
0: <laughs> exactly. But each, each season, each year, as it went along, it got easier in the sense that I didn't take on so much of the burden. I just released most of that and I just tried to do my best in teaching him and having more fun doing it. So I wanted to say that certified teachers are amazing people. I would never downplay their role and their importance. But parents, I'm talking to you right now. You're made to train your children. You are their parent for a reason. And we just need to trust that what's in us is enough to lead, teach, and guide them through this. Whether it's a math problem, whether it's why, not, why we shouldn't be scared of a virus, or what we can do to combat that fear, whatever it may be, We just need to trust as parents that we have inside of us what we need for our children. And we are the best first responder for everything that they face.
1: Yep, you have what it takes, which maybe you don't feel like you have what it takes because you probably didn't go to school for this sort of thing. You don't feel trained or equipped maybe to handle this sort of thing. But the truth is that there is no better person, no other person who is more well-equipped to lead and raise your children than you are. One of the things that we've been talking about during this whole pandemic thing is that when you spend a lot of time together with people, it kind of magnifies or amplifies what is there. All of the distractions are are stripped away, and you can't hide behind anything anymore. And sometimes it's uncomfortable to see what's really there. But understanding the flaws and the problems, that's never a bad thing. If you know what's wrong, then you can take steps to fix it. If you don't know that it's there, that doesn't negate the negative impact that it has. You just don't realize how maybe it's stealing from you and from your family. So if it's difficult at the beginning, that doesn't mean that you can't do this. It just means that you are just like everybody else and you have some things to work through.
0: Exactly. It's kind of like if you never ever pull your stove out and clean underneath, even if it's been five years, like if you never do that, the crud just builds up. And a time like this, every sense, every emotion is heightened. We're hyper aware of what's going on. And so the positive and the negative are so loud. And we can either keep choosing to ignore the negative that needs to be addressed or we can choose to unearth it and fix it. But we can't fix a problem if we don't know what it is. So this uh, increased time as a couple as, with children, whatever your situation may be, it is an incredible time and opportunity to unearth what needs to be unearthed and address it, to find out what the written issues are and deal with it. Um, if you normally have your children at school, Maybe this is a time to really understand why they struggle in a certain area, why they struggle with a certain subject or teacher. It's a, a time where we can see more about our children than we had seen before, more about ourselves and how we react to things than we maybe could have seen before.
1: Yep. Things are, are revealed during this time, and I would encourage everybody to pay attention to what you're being shown And the other thing that I would call out is to recognize that this is not just an obstacle, although it is to your daily routine, especially if you're not used to having your kids at home and now they are along with everybody else under your, your roof. I know that that can be stressful if it's not something that you're used to. I work from home. You homeschool our, our five kids. So we spend a lot of time together already, but even us, we felt some of that pressure where, If I needed to go focus on something, I would get in the car, go to the co-working space. Can't do that anymore. So we have to figure out ways to make everything work. Uh, But once you work through some of that stuff, then you have an opportunity to really plant some seeds. I've been telling some of the guys that are in my discipleship group at church that this is an opportunity and the seeds that you sow into your family now are going to produce a harvest years from now when we go back to things as they were. The things that you do right now, those, if they're intentional, if they are things that you are specifically choosing to grow yourself and to grow your family, then that will reverberate uh, for a long time. We were in a men's meeting on Friday at our church and the, the speaker, John George, said that you can either go through this time or you can grow through this time. Just because there's resistance, that's not necessarily a bad thing. If you're a weightlifter, you want resistance because that's how you grow muscle, but you have to view it the right way and you have to be intentional about using the resistance for your, your good. And so as it pertains to, to homeschooling, maybe you wouldn't have chosen homeschooling, but here you are having to school from home. So at least temporarily, maybe you are a, a homeschooler. And uh, I think maybe because we had chosen to do this prior, we were a little bit more prepared for it, but still, I mean, everybody's trying to, trying to figure this stuff out. And I would say that, being schooled at home, this is not something that should be foreign or unnatural. It's just not something maybe that we have embraced completely. It took you a while to embrace the idea, but it's been a, a positive experience speaking for you now. You can correct me if I'm wrong, I guess. But
0: <laughs> Yeah, I would say in recent history, especially this last year, I enjoyed it more than any other year. The year before this, I was ready to send them to any school. Because it was definitely our hardest year homeschooling. There's a lot of dynamics going on. Our youngest, um, she began walking. So she turned a year right after the school year started. And she was just super busy. And having four boys, trying to homeschool them, like it was very challenging. And I had to figure out how that all worked.
1: And on top of that, I was let go from my job. And I was stressed out trying to figure out how I'm going to feed all these little mouths. (laughs) So you're trying to figure out how to keep things going at home. I'm trying to figure out where the work is going to be coming from. It was definitely a stressful period for everybody.
0: Yeah. And it lasted longer than we ever would have expected as well. But Definitely longer than we wanted. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, we didn't stop or quit. We just kept going. And this last school year, the one we're currently in, has by far been the best school year that I have been I have experienced. A big part of that is because I finally found a community for our school experience, and I maybe we'll talk about that more another time. But we, I just have a support system, I guess that I've never had before with school, um, and so I guess that for whatever situation you're in. If you are really struggling with your child at home right now, I encourage you to reach out to their teacher. Um, They should be reachable, or someone from the school, or just someone you know that you can talk to about it. Uh, Maybe you could do a phone call or a a video call with another person to kind of help your child through a lesson or something, just to change it up. Now, with that being said, what I want to talk about today is this is just really heavy on my heart that I've been wanting to share, and. I just have a question for you. What will your children remember during this time? Will they remember how well you taught them math or how you didn't know the new math? (laughs) Will they remember that you did science projects at home or didn't do science projects at home right now? Will they remember how many books you read or how well they did at grammar during this time? What do our children remember? If you ask them, what was your favorite thing about a trip or something that they they did recently? When has it ever been about some lesson they learned or some how well you did something as a parent? No, they remember the experience. They'll remember how mom and dad handled this worldwide pandemic. Yep. They'll remember if mom and dad were completely stressed and worried, watching the news constantly. And worried about them going and doing and touching anything, even within their own property. So I just ask you today, what are you imparting to your children during this time? Is it faith or is it fear? Because how you are during this time is very, very important. And if, it, if you have been fearful, if you have been just stuck on the news or stuck in uh, social media too much, it will affect them. If your children are edgy... That's a pretty good indicator of what <laughs> mom and dad are, how they're handling the situation right now. And if you haven't been handling it right so far, the good news is we can change. Yep. We can change that right now. Right. And children are some of the most forgiving people ever. Yep. They forgive so quickly. And not only that, like they could care less and they move on way quicker than we do.
1: I talked about that in the last episode, how I had to apologize and say I was sorry and Toby's response was, well, of course, I know you didn't mean that. Yes, I forgive you. (laughs) There was no question in his mind about whether he was going to forgive me. He wasn't holding on to it, waiting for me to ask it even. He just was ready to forgive. So don't worry about making mistakes. Give yourself some slack. Uh, And I also want to go back real quickly uh, to something you said, Rachel, about what are your kids going to remember? We were talking a couple days ago about how we still remember vividly where we were when we found out about 9-11. And I can picture many specific details about the people and the the place that I was when I when I heard about that, but mostly what comes back to me is the emotions that I felt. And I would say that right now your kids will not remember probably the things that you say, but they will remember what you do, and how you make them feel. So be very careful. I'm glad you called out about the news and the social media because I have had to disconnect myself from a lot of that stuff. I recognize that I do want to know what's going on. I tend to be the logical person who wants to know all the facts. But I also know that if I do that even more than like five minutes at a time, that it's going to make me negative, and it's going to affect my emotional state. And that is going to be contagious, and other people are going to pick up on that. So be careful uh, about what you are communicating to your kids because they're going to pick up on on everything. And then coming back to the homeschooling thing, you have this in the notes here, and I think this is worth calling out here before we get into some of the personal tips, but this is not something that you have to do for the next 18 years. <laughs> yeah,
0: I yeah I heard someone talk about this recently and they use the term of a bridge and I thought that was fantastic what we're going through right now is simply a bridge to get us to the 2021 school year and any good teacher is already having in the back of their mind thoughts of I need to do extra review at the beginning of the year at least see my, where my children are at in my classroom and spending a little extra time in the beginning of the year kind of catching them up so hopefully you can just picture yourself as simply a bridge to get them to next school year and let it just be that and not more and not try and do everything. It'll be okay.
1: Yep. Our pastor's got us saying, day by day, play by play. That's really what we're doing here. None of us has been in this situation before. Right. So just take it a day at a time. Get through the end of this school year. Do the best that you can with, with what you have to work with. And give yourself a break if you don't do it perfectly. And then next fall you know, things can go back to normal or you can reevaluate. I know a lot of people who are using this time as kind of a trial run for whether they want to continue homeschooling in the fall. And if you do, great. You know, it's it's not for everybody. It's obviously a choice that we made because we recognize that we have a small window of time to really sow into our children and we want to take advantage of that. But that doesn't mean that this is the right call for everybody.
0: I wanted to just take a little bit more time here to talk to you about some personal tips that I have just jotted down from the years I've been homeschooling. And I by no means have it all figured out. But what I do know and what I have learned along the way, I do want to share with you and hopefully it it will help you. So first of all, just be really lighthearted and have as much fun as you can. And don't take education quite so seriously. Because if we're having fun and enjoying it, then they will too. And um, mistakes are fine. Mistakes are are valuable, right? We don't expect perfection from our children, so we shouldn't expect that of ourselves either. Um, Learning can be really messy, and we need to give ourselves and our child lots of mercy during this time especially sometimes I just have to catch myself, like, I have one child who really could care less about school and recently just started learning more independently. And that was a really big struggle for me because we're like opposites. I love school. Guy still was doing classes not too long ago. And I didn't understand why he didn't like school. Like, I didn't get it. (laughs) But... A lot of great advice from my mother-in-law who homeschooled her three boys and she kept saying you know what he's just like this one of my sons and you know what give him time and all of a sudden he'll be reading chapter books and he's not quite reading chapter books yet but he's doing really awesome and yep. so each child is different and the dynamic between parent and child can be a little messy sometimes but be patient and light-hearted about it as as much as we can
1: for clarification, I am not the son who did not like school. I'm like you. I, yes. I, I loved school. I went back to Bible college after I <laughs> was done with school. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so we probably both have that perspective, which is why it was a little hard for us to understand why he was resisting it so much. But again, everybody is is different and you don't have to have all of the the answers, especially for a short period of time so give yourself a break give your your kids a break you know if it doesn't seem like they are growing a ton during this time and they're not mastering the material that was sent home with them it's no big deal (laughs) they'll get it eventually they'll get the stuff that's important eventually and you are not hurting them or stunting their growth if you take it easy while you're you're at home
0: yep um and then uh, we're Bible-believing Christians. Galatians 5, 22 and 23 talks about the fruit of the Spirit. And maybe you find yourself needing patience. Well, that comes from the Spirit inside, not from our own effort. So we just have to be at ease and release the gift that's inside of us, and that will just make the whole home life a whole lot more peaceful and more pleasant for everyone.
1: Yep, the important thing is to release it. I think of patience as something that people want right away. And that's not how you get it. Think back to the Seinfeld episode with George Costanza and he's like, serenity now. <laughs> Doesn't work that way.
0: Um, something I want to share to you, a story about my oldest son who we could see perfectionist tendencies very early on in him.
1: Where does he get that?
0: Uh, well, a little bit from both of us, <laughs> probably even more from you than me, but definitely both of us. Um, so I internalize my perfectionism more than you do. I think you're more like, Perfectionist, and you can see it on the outside, but we definitely both have that tendency. And so he's like four, maybe five, and he's getting frustrated because he's not getting the letters perfect and all this stuff. And I'm just going, Oh my gosh, child, you know your alphabet. This is great. You know, (laughs) you're starting to read. This is great. Well, one day when I was sitting with him, all of a sudden, it's like I heard inside just to share with him. You know, I just followed that instinct, that voice inside that, tell Toby that school is just practice. And that's what I told him. And his eyes, he just looked up at me like, oh, because he had just started <laughs> piano that year too. So it was perfect object lesson. I go, okay, so when you started piano, could you sit at the piano and play a song? Well, no. Didn't you have to learn your solfege? Didn't you have to learn all this stuff first? Learn the notes? Learn where the keys were? Well, Yeah. That's what school is. It's just practice. It doesn't yep. matter if you get it all right or not. And I've used that his whole life so far. <laughs> and he's 12 and a half now. And it's incredible. Like he could be this kid that's such a perfectionist and so burdened by school, but he's not. Like he does a good job, but it's not his life either. Yep. So I'm very, very thankful <laughs> that we learned that lesson together from from the get-go.
1: And I would add to that, um, when it comes to practice, to practice the right way, if you have kids in music lessons, then you probably have real life examples of the wrong way to practice because our kids still to this day, will just sit down at the piano bench, know that they have to do the song three times and they'll play through it as fast as they possibly can and make all <laughs> sorts of mistakes. And like, no, no, no. You're not, you're not practicing it. <laughs> So uh, there's a whole concept that fascinates me about deliberate practice, and we definitely don't take this too far with our kids. But basically, the principle is that if you're going to practice with the goal of improving anything, the fact that you would practice and you put in the reps, that doesn't matter unless you put it in the right way. There's kind of this uh, common conception that it takes 10,000 hours of practicing something to become a, an expert or a master. But if you dig into that, it's actually the way that you practice. 10,000 tends to be the average, but you can actually become a master a lot faster than that if you apply this deliberate practice and you pick, okay, this is one thing that I don't like about my last performance, or I know that I did wrong last time and I want to get better at, so I'm going to intentionally practice that thing this time with the goal of doing it better than I did last time. And not trying to say like, okay, this whole piece, I'm going to play it perfectly, but just maybe there's one tricky section. So you play that one section over and over and over again, you know, and then you do that and then you get better at it and then it fits into the, the larger whole. So if you do want to take that approach and you want to, uh, you want to practice with the goal of, of improving, I would say, break it down into these tiny little chunks. And this applies obviously far beyond just the, the homeschooling for the next couple months or however long, you know, people choose to do it. This is more of a a lifestyle thing that I think is is important for people, and that's really what we want to do with our kids. Is we don't want them to pass a test or get a specific grade, get into a specific school. We want them to enjoy the process of learning. We want them to understand that just because they failed at something or they're bad at something doesn't mean that they can't do that thing. They just have to approach it a little bit differently and they have to figure out a way to solve that puzzle, but they can do it.
0: Absolutely. And um, it's just a process. And uh, each child is so different. And our oldest two are super self-motivated. They work really well independently. Uh, But we have another son who's like, I don't care about this, but he has incredible hand-eye coordination, and he's really good at piano, just like tracking with his piano music and playing without looking at his hands. Um, and then I have another son that's just like wants to do everything fast, quick, get it done with. Let's do this. Let's move on to the fun stuff. So each is so different. And one, one thing I want to touch on too is that um, if you're concerned about your child's reading skills or their reading level right now, uh, one of the most powerful things is actually reading to our children. And they don't outgrow this. So I started actually doing this this year again, I had read them chapter books previous school years, but this school year we had a lot of changes that we did, so that wasn't part of our regular routine. So during this shelter-in-place whole deal, I started reading to them another chapter book, and it's Little House in the Big Woods, the first in the Little House series, and hmm. they've been just enjoying it. From our our five-year-old son, all or oh, he's six now. <laughs> Time flies. To our oldest, who's 12 and a half, they've all been really enjoying it, and that's a really powerful way to develop their reading skills is by being read to. Now, if you are finding yourself needing to work at home, plus try and teach your kids at home right now, there are some creative ways that you can get around this. There's a lot of audiobooks out there. I know Audible has given out a lot of free resources, free books right now for families, so you don't have to sit there and read to them. You can have them read too. Chronicles of yep. Narnia, that whole series by Focus on the Family Theater, they, that is an awesome series. It's really well done. There's tons of resources. Adventures in Odyssey by Focus on the Family. Our kids love those. So yep. just getting creative right now, it doesn't always have to be us sitting with them doing schoolwork. It, there's, let's use technology to our advantage. And so I just want to encourage you to just read to them or have someone else read to them through an audio recording.
1: And have them read. I mean, that's a a skill that we try to foster in our kids. Uh, I grew up and I loved reading and then I basically stopped for many years, picked it up again when Joe and I decided that we should be reading more and uh, started the Bookworm podcast. But that was not something that I was in a habit of doing prior to that. I've found that since I started doing it, that just like practicing anything, just like going to the gym, just like playing an instrument, playing a sport, it's difficult at first and it feels uncomfortable if you're not in the, the habit of it. But the trick is to pick stuff that you want to read. For me, that happens to be a lot of nonfiction books. doesn't have to be nonfiction, obviously. Find something you like, whether it's a, a story, which gets your imagination going, or if it's just something that solves a problem that you you have, like a, a pain point in your life that you want to fix. That's how a lot of the nonfiction books that I started reading for Bookworm came about. And the, the truth is that there are so many books out there. There are so many smart people that we can learn from. <laughs> the answers to a lot of the stuff that we deal with, a lot of these are not unsolved problems. We just are too lazy to open the covers and read it for ourselves, which I think is a, a bit of a shame. But if you can cultivate not only the reading habit, but also that love of learning, those two things together, I mean, this this can really put them on a solid trajectory for the, the rest of their life. And again, it doesn't have to be the reading so many pages of a of classic literature. I mean, truth be told, I can't stand classic literature myself. <laughs> <laughs> so find something that you like to read and then just cultivate that habit because that's gonna, that's gonna be one of those things that can produce a harvest years for years to come.
0: Yeah, definitely. Now, um, you've talked a lot about tips for um, homeschooling your children right now, but I just want to encourage you that spiritual training can't just happen like on a Sunday morning at church, and it can't be farmed out to Sunday school teachers. We as parents must take uh, responsibility for the spiritual training of our own children. And there's so many fun, awesome ways to do this. There are so many incredible resources that you don't have to feel like, well, I don't even know the Bible that well, or I don't even know. I I don't know how to do that. I'm not a pastor. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not a Sunday doesn't school teacher. Matter. It doesn't matter.
1: And it also almost doesn't even matter what resources you use. Uh, we've been doing man school at home. <laughs> which I haven't been. No, not you. <laughs> me and the four boys. Uh, but the younger two really can barely even read the the scripture verses that we, we cover. And the other two are probably a little bit young even to really get a, a ton out of it. But it's this... Curriculum I picked up at a conference that I was at right before all of this started. Uh, What is a man of God? And it's by Mark T. Barclay. And there's 52 different lessons with a bunch of fill in the blanks, a bunch of scripture verses that you read through. So we go through, we fill in the blanks together. We read all the scriptures together. It's not intended to be a kids' Bible study really at all, but we talk about the things as we read the verses. So you know, what is this saying? Help them understand it. And then at the end, ask them, you know, what, what's one thing you can do on whatever topic? Like one of the ones we did recently is a man of God is a man of integrity. So what does integrity mean? How can you have integrity in your day? You know, follow through and do what I told mom I was going to do. <laughs> <I> like <laughs> <Stuff>. that lesson. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, it takes, you know, 20, 30 minutes to go through the, the whole thing, even with all four of them. We pray at the beginning, we pray at the end. We talk, each one of them has a an action item that they walk away with. But it's the kind of thing that you look at the curriculum and be like, they're not going to get anything out of this. doesn't matter. They just like doing it with dad. And that's the important thing is not what scriptures we read or what we go through even. It's just that they see me living this out and that it's part of what I do every day. I'm including them in it. And so I'm showing them more than telling them this is the way that you should act.
0: Yeah, and they actually, the, uh, the word is so powerful that they get a lot more than we even could ever imagine. And that is the way that we have combated every battle we've faced. And it, I can't underestimate that at all. Uh, that them reading the word, even if they don't fully understand it, it's so powerful. And so another another thing we like to do with our children is regularly memorize the word with them. So I have a few things that I have done with them. I have this uh, Charlotte Mason style memory system that we used where there's a daily verse, a day of the week, a day of the month, and an odd or an even verse. So we do four a day. So those are more like school days what we do. So it's just a really great way to be memorizing a lot of different scriptures. And um, another thing is just there's some really great resources for singing songs about the word, about faith. One of our children's most recent favorites is I Live By Faith Not By Sight, 2 Corinthians 5-7. There's this really fun song and they love the crazy dance moves that the people do in the video and they try and mimic them. um but what they're they remember it so putting things to the song is a really fun and powerful way to memorize
1: yep and it's doesn't have to be fun for you it has to be fun for them and they will eat this stuff up we were in the car the other day and you were playing a bunch of music and uh the kids were kind of going nuts and then uh you played something from classical conversations is like mm-hmm. a, the timeline song and I'm like, really? We're gonna do this on a Saturday? Like, they're not gonna even—they're not gonna like this, you know? And they—they <laughs> they loved it. Yeah. They recited the whole thing because they're used to to doing that. But the fact that they know it, I think maybe, uh, gives them some confidence, and maybe that's what they like. Like the six-year-old specifically, he's going through all like the the times tables in song format you know he doesn't know how to do that stuff yet but he knows the words because he hears his brother singing it (laughs) and I think that's that's kind of cool and there's a powerful lesson to be learned there that whatever you want to internalize if you can apply it to a to a song especially as a kid you know that's that's the kind that's kind of like speaking their language
0: yep and it's super fun Um, another thing uh, we like to do is uh, well during this shelter in place thing we've had this this uh, every day we do what we church at home. Our pastors have been encouraging all of us families for quite a long time to do this: have church at home, have church at home. Well, what does that mean? Well, it can mean a lot of things. Some mm-hmm. days it's like let's play some worship songs and dance, and then we we kind of mimic each other sometimes and have a dance circle and do the Malachi, okay, <laughs> do the Adelaide, and they love that, so we all copy each other. Um, sometimes it is a little bit more serious because we have to talk about something that someone's facing. Sometimes it can be practical, like we're going to write a letter to someone or we're going to do something nice for someone or send them an encouraging video, but it's just a matter of church isn't a place we go to. We are the church. And if as a family unit we can be strong and have church at home and have that spiritual training happening as a foundational part of our family, we can come out on the other side of this and be stronger and better. We can rise above the fear of and the virus and the pandemic and everything and be better on the other side.
1: Yep. Uh, One other thing I would add is let your kids see you care about other people.
0: Oh, yes, absolutely. Have other
1: people in front of mind. I think it's very natural for most people to be concerned about what's happening to them right now, especially with so many people who are unemployed here in the U.S. Maybe you don't know where... The money to pay your bills is going to be coming from or where your, your next job is going to be. I've, I've been there, <laughs> not there right now, thankfully, but I understand what that's like. And uh, if you can get your eyes off of your problems and think about how you can help somebody else, even if you do it from home, that will be very powerful. For one, it will help you a lot. It'll put you in a much better mental and emotional state. But just recognizing that there are other people who are going through things. And then even something as simple as sending a message. I have been recently using the voice dictation on my iPhone to record like the audio messages, not just sending the text messages. Because I feel like more is communicated in the audio format than, uh, than just in the, the words that you, you send. It's sending like encouraging messages to people, uh, trying to FaceTime with people even people who you wouldn't normally talk to in the busyness of your day-to-day. I was talking to somebody via FaceTime the other day. Uh, you, you were on the the call too with with JF, and we were kind of asking, like, why have we never done this before? Right. <laughs> you know, it doesn't, it shouldn't take a, a pandemic for us to start reaching out to the people that we, we care about. But, you know, here we are. It doesn't matter what you did previously. What matters is what you do from this moment forward. And I would say... Every single day, let your kids see you trying to reach out and, and touch somebody else's life because that will instill that spirit in them about trying to make a difference and trying to be a part of the solution instead of just being so consumed about all of the bad things that are, are happening to you. Because you will always, whether you're in a pandemic or not, have opportunity to focus on the negatives. But that's not going to help you overcome those situations. If you are so consumed about how things are not fair and these things shouldn't be happening to you, but they are, then you've, you've kind of put yourself, you've made yourself stuck. <laughs> but when you get your eyes off of what you're going through and try to help somebody else, usually that's when you get helped yourself.
0: And that can start at home as well. It's interesting during this time, I've recognized a few things just in home life too, that we've been able to apply in natural things like each meal, the children take turns cleaning up. So that's a very immediate thing in the home that can be done. Like mom shouldn't have to make the whole meal, serve the whole meal and clean up the whole meal. Like there's enough of y'all around that you can take turns Cleaning on the back end. So they've been (laughs) doing that. And so if they start to recognize that naturally within their own family, then it's easier for them to remember others outside of the family right now that they're not in physical proximity with. And that's just putting our faith to action. And that is just an awesome thing to impart and to do as a family as well. Our busyness of our normal routine in our lives is really a trap. It's a distraction to keep us from doing and saying and growing in ways that really, really matter. Um, One other thing I want to leave you with before we wrap this up here is that a routine is good. A lot of the advice you probably have heard already is, you know, schedule yourself a regular day, you know, try and maintain a schedule like you'd normally have and maintain a routine, which is awesome. Like we've tried to do that. But I want to say to that as well that once in a while, throw that out the window just for like a morning or something, because (laughs) sometimes you just need to change it up. And we did that the other day. I was just kind of feeling like we need to just do something different. And, uh, you know, when they got up in the morning, we did something completely different and they had a blast doing it. I just, after breakfast and our church at home, our Jesus time, I just said, why don't you all go just go play outside? It was only 32 degrees out, and I thought they'd go for 15 minutes and come back in. It was sunny, but it was cold. They were out for over an hour playing, (laughs) having a ball as the five of them just played outside. I made them hot chocolate and fresh cookies. So when they came back in, we sat around the fire, and I read them the next chapter in the chapter book. And then we did some more of our schoolwork and our lessons after that. But it was really, really fun just to change it up and do something different. So I just encourage you to get creative with that as well and just uh, kind of surprise them sometimes with some little things that are just fun and out of the ordinary.
1: Absolutely. The structure and the schedule, the value of creating that stuff is that it gives you the opportunity to be spontaneous.
0: Yes, absolutely. If we're spontaneous all the time, which would be me left to my own devices, I would be spontaneous all the time, which would be bad because I I am responsible for five little humans. And they do, at the end of the day, need to learn something. So a schedule for me is very, very good. But when I can change it up, that really makes me happy.
1: (laughs) And even if you are the opposite, like me, and you tend to want to stick to the plan, your plan is going to get messed up. Plans are worthless. Planning is everything. Meaning that once you take a few minutes to identify the plan, you've now attached intentionality to the hours of how you're going to spend your day. Now you have the ability to say, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do something else instead. But until you spend some time thinking about it, you have no idea what the best use of your time is going to be. You can't make that call in the moment. You're going to go by how you feel. Same principle with budgeting. You know, they say, give every dollar a job so that you don't waste it on things that don't really matter. It's the same principle with your with your time.
0: Absolutely. It's good stuff. This was fun.
1: Yeah, that's probably a good spot to wrap it up. We've got more we want to talk about when it comes to homeschooling, but we've been going for a while now, so.
0: Yes, we want you to be able to apply some of the things you've heard, maybe come away with one action item or something you want to do, or be inspired and encouraged. You can find links to everything we talked about in the show notes or at intentionalfamily.fm. Until next time, join us in living life intentionally.